Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Nuggets now. A quick turnaround tonight, game two. You got some series. Like Lakers Warriors Wolf, they'll be playing game one tomorrow night. We'll already be two games into Suns Nuggets. Yeah. Somebody wrote in last week and was like, okay, why are they starting the Suns Nuggets series early? Because I thought that was part of the whole point of trying to win your series quickly so you didn't have to play and you get some days off. Yeah. I don't have an answer for you. Okay. <laughs> I really don't. It's, it's a great question that somebody wrote in. If I, Luke doesn't have the answer, I don't <laughs> either. <laughs> I, I think a lot of it is scheduling based around what's in those arenas, and they just kind of, hey, we have a chance to get one of these Nuggets games in. You're not going to put it on Sunday night because the Avalanche were playing their leverage. I think they just, I think some of it's logistics, and the thought is if you go deep enough, at some point you're going to get a break because just, if the Suns got through the series quickly, they'd have a huge break before the Lakers series. Think about this or right Warriors. now, based on audience, just how different 2-0 um, and 1-1 and one are. In a series, <laughs> think about this, right? Yeah. How di- how much of a difference? How big of a game is tonight? This is one of the reasons why I think David Booker's just going to go off with three days off. Yes, right? I mean, there's there's no. I, I liked that Monty at least got Booker and Katie out of there towards the end of that game uh, on on Saturday because they clearly weren't coming back at that point. But tonight, like if. KD's got to play 46 minutes. If Booker's got to play 46 minutes, Chris Paul's got to play 42 or 40. They don't play again until Friday, yeah. and they have to win. Yes. Think about it. The huge difference, 2-0 and or 1-1. and If they could if they could win game two. And, Luke, you were talking about this. For me, I, I would have loved to have seen them win game one because it sets a tone immediately. Okay. Uh, I think we're playing for keeps here. We all understand we that. Did oh, you did win Friday. game two. Yeah, yeah we did talk we did. about that. Producer Wolf. We did win on game two. But, look, um, right now with three day, four days off, it's Monday to play Friday. Until Friday. Yeah, so three. It's, yeah, basically. It's three days off. Three days off. But then you're playing yeah. on that fourth day. Yeah. So think about that, Luke. Can you imagine you win the game and all of a sudden they have to stew in that? Yeah, because you change change the dynamic entirely. The way it feels right now is like, oh, the Nuggets can't be stopped. You see them celebrating on Saturday? It's like they had already won the title and they couldn't miss a shot. If the Suns win tonight, the Suns have home court and there's three days basically off before the next game. So any of that momentum Denver thought they were taking from game one is right out the window. I don't know. Yeah. It's three I'm just going to say four. Just get, you <laughs> three know, days say off. Four days. Okay, yeah, so okay. the next just, game's four days from All right, listen however you want to do it. Everything you're doing, it's not really off. <laughs> so it's four days before they play in next, their next game. Okay, four days. Okay, so let's just let's stick with four because so, it's messing me up. So if you have even the series and there's all that time off yeah. between three and four days, <laughs> all that momentum it's, Denver feels like they <laughs> have right now is neutralized again. It is. It is. Um, man, this is the reason why I think tonight is the night for Book to go off. You're on the road. It's game number two. Can you do it? It's a huge statement game. You know what? We're going to win game two. Suddenly, the series is 1-1. We've got home court advantage. We just wrestled from you. Yes, game one was very disappointing, but suddenly there's Book, there's KD, and there's DA. <laughs> 
Bears, <laughs> Chris Paul, and and they win a game. You know, um, I, I think we're going to see a different Suns team tonight. I really do. Not because D.A. said so, <laughs> okay? But I, I think they've got his attention. And I'm hoping that D.A. is going to be the tip of the spear, the physicality spear that the Suns need to hold. All right, you brought up physicality. I'm just going to first say the sentence that I know Suns fans have said a lot of times over the last few years, but I'll say it anyway. What if D.A. just has a great game tonight? I mean, it's not inconceivable. He's not a bad player. No. He's just inconsistent. But what what if you catch him on a great night tonight? Probably win this game. Here's uh, here's Kevin Durant talking about the Suns and how they need to be tougher. It's tough to stop great players. Uh, be more physical and uh, just be there on the catch, be there on the shot. I think he made some tough ones over us as well. But yeah, at least from the from the tip, we just got to be physical and get into bodies and make everything tougher. Okay, there's physicality. Here's Devin Booker. We need to be more physical. Yeah, I think we were good in spurts. Early on, it was tough. We got physical and a lot of fouls called, so, you know, just trying to stay away from that. Um, but, yes, yeah, that's that. I understand it's going to be physical. Um, they're a physical team. They're going to be on the offensive boards. There's going to be a lot going on in the paint, and uh, we just need to take care of that. And then here's DeAndre Ayton. Need to be more physical. We're going to be a completely different team game, too. I can tell you that. But um, the physicality is going to turn up a notch. Uh-huh. Just, just they were playing Nuggets basketball, but they were playing a little too comfortable, man. We didn't have their our hands on them like I was supposed to. And what we did it was a little too late. You know they're aggressive, and the game's the set of the, the tone of the game is already set. And you know we just can't let stuff like that slip out of our hands because they're a really, really good team. And you know once you're trailing against a team like that, you be trailing for the rest of the game. So it's really getting them off the glass where there is no um, momentum, momentum plays. And then the crowd gains with and just communicating on, off, I'm on defense. Mainly that. I love the guy, but he just makes me mad. Let me ask you this. Makes me mad. He does. You've been, you, I, you've referenced the red dot meetings, right? Yes. Okay. How does that, the, the, the clip that we've all seen, that see, Suns fans saw it during the game, but the one that's been circulating on social media for the last 48 hours of DA basically standing out of bounds on the baseline watching KD fight over and over for a re- I mean, it's not basically standing. He is standing out of bounds. Yeah. Yeah. How does that play in the room? Do they even... I, oh my gosh. I, I guarantee you even, somebody I, showed it to him. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine what that is like right there. If you're DeAndre Ayton and they've got the red dot, of course they put the red dot on you. Effort so much of playing and, and playing well in a physical sport is about effort. It's about your desire. And if, if a playoff game does not bring that intensity and that effort and that desire to go out and compete, if it doesn't bring it out in you, what will? What will? I And see, this is why he's got teammates. I promise you right now, I have never been inside the Phoenix Suns locker room. I've never witnessed this, but I know it exists. I know it does. Guys inside, his teammates inside that locker room, look at him and wonder, why can't you do this consistently? Why? Why why, why can you go out there in one game, you, all your talent is on display. We can see it, and you're locked in, and you're engaged, but you can't do it the next game. What? Why? 
see what that that doubt, what it brings inside the locker room, is scorn. It does. It doesn't. It doesn't fly well in a hyper aggressive alpha male world. Well, it does not. Big picture, everything you're saying is 100 percent true. In the moment, right now, they need. He's due for a good game, right? That that doesn't solve your problem long term, but he is at least due for a really good game. That play that that play looks like when you're playing 2K and the controller gets unhooked and the players just kind of floating around the court. Like, what do I do? That's what Da looked like on that on that one specific play, and it's not the only one from the game, but the one that everybody's been pointing to. Score the hottest ticket in town: Suns playoff tickets. Just text ticket to six twenty six twenty. Register and listen for your name this Wednesday during the seven a.m. noon and five o'clock hours for your chance to qualify for tickets to see the Suns take on the Nuggets. That's ticket to 620-620. We come back. All right, the Cardinals 2023 NFL draft in the books. What stood out? We're going to ask our own Cardinals reporter for Arizona Sports, Tyler Drake. He was in Kansas City for the first round. He's been around Cardinals headquarters all week. He will join us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Okay, our next guest has had a busy weekend. Well, let's put it that way. He was in Kansas City for the draft last week and then was around Cardinals headquarters all weekend. He is our own Cardinals reporter here at Arizona Sports. Tyler Drake joining us on the Arizona Sports line. I don't know where. He could be anywhere today. Wolf, he could yeah. be, I don't know, he could be in Vegas getting ready for the Super oh, Bowl. Oh, he's not a Jack Stacks. No, he's not. I'm not. <laughs> no. Right? No, no. We're getting we're, we're getting some work done at home today, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, good to jump on with you guys. Tyler Drake is here. Tyler, did you ever end up getting that barbecue? Because by virtue of your phone call, somehow Wolf and I got barbecue, actually. How did that happen? I, yeah, I didn't get any. <laughs> you were in Kansas City. You didn't get any. Oh, all right. No time. Hey, there's no time. It was the draft. I had to, you know, there was more uh, pressing uh, things to get done. So, unfortunately, yeah, no barbecue for me this time. But I definitely got to get back and get some because I think I got told about 12 different places. And, <laughs> and uh, Wolf, your your uh, your recommendation, I think, was the leading one. So yeah. that's a pretty uh, hats off to you. Yeah, that place is incredible. No doubt about it, man. Thanks for joining us, Tyler. Tyler, let me ask you this. Um, because you were out there at the start of the draft and you were you know, around, I'm sure, a bunch of reporters and, and people from other teams, what was the, the sense outside of the Cardinals organization – of of Monty Austinfort in his first NFL draft. Yeah, well, you know the 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 big. I think the big thing that stood out for me was just the fact of everyone was pretty surprised with the Texans coming up and trading instead of, you know, the Tennessee Titans. Like I think a lot of us thought it was going to be. So that had a lot of people, you know, just kind of wondering what was going on. And then you see him go down and jump back up, and it was just. It was really a wild, uh, I mean, I'll, I was right in the middle of all the fans sitting there watching all this go down, and a lot of people didn't have their phones. So as soon as they, they see the logos changing from, uh, what was it, from the Cardinals to the Texans, everyone just starts losing their mind. And they're like, what is going on here? And then all of a sudden you get down further and you see the logo change again from Lions to Cardinals, and then that's where they got Paris Johnson. And you can tell a lot of people were like, wow, they got him there. Wow. 
So you can tell a lot of people just from that side of things were pretty surprised on how much they were really wheeling and dealing that first round. Yeah, you know, for me, Tyler, it seems like Monty was all about the deal. Let's make a deal. All about that. And maybe that's going to be his personality going forward in future drafts. We'll have to wait and see. But was there a move? Was there a trade you like specifically? And if so, why? Well, I think I'll just I'll go with one of the easier ones. I think that Lions deal to come back up to six to get Paris Johnson was big just because what I read today from Peter King is that the Raiders really liked Paris Johnson. And Paris Johnson even said that the Raiders were a team that was looking at him. So not only did they get the extra draft capital for next year with the Texans, they also got the player they wanted and probably the best tackle in, in the draft best offensive lineman in the draft in Paris Johnson. They stole him basically from the Raiders at seven. So that one's got to be the big move because I think that kind of helps facilitate a lot of other things that they could do this draft. We're talking to Tyler Drake. Uh, Tyler, Paris Johnson was obviously the headliner in terms of uh, of players that the, the Cardinals got. I mean, Wolf and I were talking earlier. To me, the, the headlining move was that they added that first-round pick from Houston next year and that third-round pick and some of these other ones. But what about some of these other players that the Cardinals got in this year's draft, like B.J. Ojolari? What, what, what of those stood out to you? I think BJ, just he's got a lot of juice, and I think he's got a really high motor. And, I mean, if you look at the LSU tradition of wearing number 18, that goes to, like, the guy that just is, exemplifies what the program wants and a leader and, and all the good things that you want in a player, he was that guy. So they really, uh, like Monty said uh, after round two or after day two, is that they really looked at football character for that day and really overall. But I would say BJ, and then you've got uh, Clayton Toon, the, the quarterback. Uh, that one's going to be an interesting one because he's got a lot of confidence. He said he feels like he's the best quarterback in the draft. So we'll see uh, where that leads and, and if he can, if he might even get a shot. Who knows? Maybe week one. It, it, depending on what happens with Tyler and what happens with the other quarterbacks, we've already heard it from Gannon and Monty. They want to have a competition there. So uh, across the board, every position. So we'll see how that pans out. But that's really – I'm really interested to see how the he kind of fits in with everything. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one, Tyler, right there. Um, in the third round, they had two picks in the third round. They got a cornerback, Garrett Williams from Syracuse, and a wide receiver, Michael Wilson from Stanford. And these were two need picks. There's no denying that. But what can you tell us about these two players? Yeah, yeah. You know, with Williams, he's uh, he's coming off of an ACL, I believe. So he's hoping to be good by July. So that's that's really the big thing to watch there. But from the sounds of it, the guy was probably going to be a higher draft pick if he wasn't dealing with that injury. So that's a, I mean, that could pan out to be a really, really good move for the Cardinals. Almost like. I'd, I'd almost kind of liken it, not completely, but the Marco Wilson uh, draft pick. I, I thought he fell farther than he should have, and I think it's the same kind, kind of deal with uh, Williams. So that'll be interesting. And then uh, Wilson, yeah, you know, he's he's another uh, pair of hands that could that can go out there and catch the ball. And I think just with the unknown surrounding De- DeAndre, you you need to have a guy in there that can at least bring some more depth to the room. Talking to Tyler Drake. Uh, Tyler, Isaiah Simmons, that fifth-year option, if they're going to pick it up, they have to do it by tomorrow. Um, have you? We're seeing other teams like Baltimore declining the fifth-year option of Patrick Queen. We're seeing a few teams already say they're not going to do this, and obviously teams have picked guys up too. Are you hearing anything about Isaiah Simmons? Where do you come out on this? Oh, yeah, you know, I'm, uh, I think I'm with you guys. I'm just kind of waiting and seeing right now. Yeah, that's 
I just with how long it's kind of going and, and the constant, you know, there's not been a ton out of Cardinals camp about it from Monty or Jonathan. So I'm leaning like they're not going to pick it up. That's that's just me. And and obviously he's a, he's a dynamic player that that really can be a force in this league. But you've got to put him somewhere and they've got to make sure that he could fit in their defense. So I'm leaning towards they're not picking it up just because it's taking this long to make a decision on it. And uh, Monty said after the draft that they're going to catch their breath and make a decision. So I'm going to say it's going to be right up there till the deadline tomorrow. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. Um, okay, DeAndre Hopkins. Did you happen to see, Tyler, that uh, there was an Instagram story that Hop was talking about, you know, why are you going to assume that I'm leaving? Did you happen to see that story? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it's it's just I feel like it's another layer to the whole offseason unknown surrounding DeAndre and the Cardinals. And, uh, you know, he's back in Phoenix working out. You know, I think he's been in Phoenix from time to time. He's been working out in Houston. We saw him with Isaiah Simmons down there, too. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of just unknown surrounding that. But, I mean, I think – I mean, for Cardinals fans, they got to like that. If he's saying, hey, who said I wanted to leave? Like, that looks pretty good. But at the same time, I almost take that as maybe that's a little gamesmanship to other teams of, hey, like, if you guys really want to come get me, you better come get me type deal because I'll stay here. So I'm uh, I'm interested to see what happens in the next week or so because I, I personally, I thought he was going to get traded during the draft. And right. that never happened, and I was actually pretty surprised by it. So we'll see. I, I mean, it's better than saying I want out of there, so right. So I guess I guess that's something good. <laughs> that's true, <laughs> uh, Tyler. They did draft Michael Wilson, but as far as receiver, um, you know, if if they do end up moving DeAndre Hopkins, that's not a position they really address through free agency. I know they have Zach Pascal, but in terms of established receivers, they really only have Hollywood Brown. If Hopkins leaves, I mean, Rondale Moore when he's healthy, Greg Dortch was was showed flashes last year. What, what does that receiver room look like if if they do? trade Hopkins do they have to go out and try and just find somebody else to add or they stick with this group yeah you know I think they could stick with the group I think they'd have to go get some more depth pieces maybe for the back end of that room but also I mean they need a guy that's big enough that can that can hang on the outside and I think that's something they've got to look at I think maybe Zach could get out there and do it but I just think that if if Hopkins gets moved you got to think about it as you got Hollywood is probably the number one you've got Rondell is the number two that's just it's you, you need you need some bigger bodies there. So I think that they would look outside for agency for sure if that was the case, and maybe even if he sticks around, maybe just to have a backup plan if you know injuries happen. Because as we've seen before, injuries like to happen in that room. So I think that they're not done adding pieces there at all. No, I'm with you on that one, Tyler. Thank you, dude. Really appreciate your time, buddy. No problem, guys. Good good to jump on with you. Thanks, Tyler. All right, that's Tyler Drake of Arizona Sports, of course, covering the Arizona Cardinals for us. He joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, yeah, the Suns need to win tonight. Where's that sense of urgency, though, going into this one? That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Nuggets now. 
Oh, how urgent is it, Wolf? I'm, I'm refraining from doing the typical radio. Hey, is that a must win for the Phoenix Suns? Is they going to Denver down 0-1? It sure is, Luke. Your call's next. <laughs> I'm trying to not do that, but it is also a conversation now as you head into this one. You brought this up earlier. Going into the game, because we're going into the weekend on Friday, yeah. you posed the scenario of, okay, Let's say they split the two in Denver. Would you rather win game one right. or game two? Yeah. And you said you'd rather win game one, set the tone for set the, the series. Set the tone, exactly. You said game two. I would rather win game two, uh, and I said this before now. When That's obviously, right. If you could guarantee me I'm going to win game two, but I have to lose. like if you Guarantee me a split. I'd rather win game two because at least you're taking momentum now into game three and game four. Whereas right now it feels like Denver is on top of the world. And that might have been just because of the way they were acting as that game was going. I'd rather I'd rather be the team coming off a win heading into three and four. Yeah, and you know, you might be right on this one right now because there are four days. Four days the rest. only option we have now. Okay, four <laughs> days, not three. Don't say don't say three, no, folks. Know what you were thinking. That would mean, of course, we were playing on Thursday night. They're not playing on Thursday night. I'm not night. sure why they're not playing on Wednesday it's, night. It's four days until they play a game again. Game three is going to be four days after tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Ron Wolfie reporting. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You count four, don't you? So it might not even matter who, what order you win them in, as long as you can get the split. It, look, if you go down okay. 0-2, there's no denying who has the momentum. Oh, my goodness. If you split and then you take four days before the next game, it's basically like a best of five. Yeah, but I kind of love that. I, I, I like your idea. Game two. Because you do. Now, all of a sudden, you split. You get the split. And you have control at that and you, point. Now, all of a sudden, you've stolen home court advantage. You've taken it from them. You've got it. You get the split. And now you got four days that they can sit in that. Four days the Denver Nuggets can sit in that. And so can you, knowing the next game you're going to play is on a Friday night at home. What I don't want... And you're welcome to send this to me if this happens tonight. But what I don't want is, hey, the Suns lost game two, and then just get a string of tweets and text messages from people. Hey, you know, the series doesn't really start until the road team wins a game. Like, Somebody's okay. going to tell you that. Well, you yeah, I, that, yes. Right? It, but here's I mean, Michael the, Jordan said it. Here's the problem with that. <laughs> then feasibly the Suns could lose this series without the series ever starting because they don't have home court advantage. So you can't tell me if they lose tonight that nothing has happened yet because – Denver's sure a team that's feeling really good about themselves, and at that point, I don't know exactly what the Suns would be thinking. I, I like I don't. If the Suns lose tonight, I don't think they're done. I don't think they're like emotionally crushed and they don't know how to respond. But the other half of the equation is how much are you filling Denver with confidence? You know, I know Jamal Murray. They had the stat he's eighteen and three lifetime against the Suns. I know he's probably and got confidence. He does, but. You you had something over the Nuggets going into that game one where the last time you played them in the playoffs you swept them so if you could if you could come out of this with a split you know put some doubt back in their mind because right now they look like a team that that thinks they've already won yeah and not only that too I think the how is going to be very important once again um, I'm a big believer in momentum I realize again when you're talking about playing on Monday. And then your next game is until Friday. Oh, my goodness. That's hard to carry over momentum. It's four and, days. And it is. But um, just the fact that the how matters 
as to how you go about your business and how they play tonight. Like the intensity on the defensive end of the floor getting picked up once again and beating the Denver Nuggets with their intensity, the Suns' intensity on the defensive end of the floor. The way that I've got this image stuck in my head where you were watching the Joker and he was guarding DeAndre Ayton and they were in the paint. And did you see Joker just swatting at the ball, just swatting at the ball, trying because he's desperate, desperately trying to get D.A. to turn the ball over. Have you seen that happen before? Have you seen D.A. have a hard time with his handle from time to time? Of course, we all have. So there's Jokic, and he's just working away and going at it, trying to get him to drop the ball, swat it away from him, turn the ball over. Um, I want to see D.A. do that. I want to see D.A. work like that. I want to see the intensity level pick up in this game. The how matters to me. The how can carry over to game three as well. Not momentum, but it can psychologically, depending on how you beat them. Beat them, be tougher than they are, and beat them. That's the best way to do it. Simone Williams at practice yesterday talking about the difference between preparing for a game after a loss, which they had to do after game one in the Clippers series, and then they won four straight, and preparing for a game after a win in the playoffs. The process doesn't change. I think if your process changes based on wins and losses, it's probably, for me anyway, the wrong process. But uh, food tastes worse. You know, it's, you feel. You know, about a loss, but there are always opportunities to learn and, and grow from those losses. But my process doesn't change. You know, I look at the film, I talk to the coaches, talk to the players. My thing is always having consistency in whatever I do, especially in front of the players. And we don't want to change because of a loss. We understand in this organization in the past few years, we've had some really good wins in the playoffs and some tough losses. And the more you can stay here, I think it breeds confidence with your team. And for me, it's all about being consistent. That part he talked about right there where you can kind of learn things and you can you know adjust and improve yeah. after. Um, he's not wrong. But in a seven-game series, that goes away pretty quickly. So, like you had that. If you if you learn something from game one, if the Suns learn something and they come out there and and they put it to use and they win game two, absolutely. If you go out there and lose game two, the time for learning from losses is over. You don't have that luxury anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, I loved what Monty said right there in regard to that. I love the fact that he was talking about that learning from a loss. It really is. It's a great opportunity. You get the red dot out, and you put the red dot on a guy like, oh, I don't know, D.A., who's standing out of bounds watching everyone else play. I'm just saying, you can. You can learn from this. You can get better from it. I love the fact that Monty pointed to that. And I also love the fact he said the process doesn't change whether you win or lose. It doesn't. It's the process. And if you are changing it, now you're in trouble. I love that observation as well. It doesn't change. You are who you are. you got to focus on that. You've got to learn, and you've got to get better. The red dot will help you get better. Trust me. Isn't that right, D.A.? Uh, Devin Booker, what they need to focus on on, uh, on in game two. Turnovers, that's one. Um, and then just, you 
know, creating for each other. And, you know, getting, getting by that first line of defense, putting them in rotation, and, you know, just having a quick trigger. You know, if the shot's there, just take it. Your thoughts on that, Luke? I think we're going to see that a lot. The last thing he said, I think we are going to see the Suns get a lot of shots up in this game. What did they have? 84 on Saturday. They got outshot. And this, again, this is not like, this is not, hey, Denver made this many shots. No, it's, it's Denver just took 17 more shots than the Suns. The Suns were more efficient with their shots. Uh, but you need to get more shots off in a game. And it's, I think we're going to see the Suns up around 100. In this. It's, it's clearly going to be such a point of emphasis and already has been that they are going to be intentional about moving the ball quickly and getting up shots. Now, I don't know if that's going to guarantee you a win by any means, but it's a, it's a necessary step. You can't, you can't even play against a bad team and give them 17 more shots in the NBA because even a bad team in the NBA... Even if they hit four of the seventeen, that right there, they've already got eight, nine, ten. If you know, if some of those are threes, more points than you. It just just by shooting more. So the Suns are going to shoot more tonight. Just be the better defensive team tonight. That's what I'm looking for more than anything else. Just be the better defensive team. It it bothers me that the Denver Nuggets in Game One were the better defensive team. Would you agree with they that? They definitely statement? were. Yeah, definitely. They were better than they were. Last year, last time the Suns saw them in the playoffs, for sure, and they were also just—I mean—they were carving the Suns up on on the on their offensive side and the Suns' defensive side of the floor. Uh, we'll come back. We'll wrap up the show with more Suns Nuggets uh, getting ready for tonight's game. Wolf, you're going to give us the intensity index from Game One when we come back. <laughs> yeah. All right. Was Hold it good? Your butts. <laughs> just give me a preview. Was it good? No. Yeah, okay. All right. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. <laughs> Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Nuggets now. All right, final segment of the show here on this Monday, heading into Game 2 Suns Nuggets from Denver tonight. Wolf, I got a little more audio I want to play, but before we get into that... From the game, uh, yeah. actually, this is mostly from practice yesterday, getting ready for game two. But explain to us again the intensity index. Yeah, you know, this is something I came up with, I, I want to say maybe a decade ago, Basinonians, the intensity index. And the intensity index um, measures offensive rebounds, plus or minus, against your opponent. Steals, plus or minus, against your opponent. Uh-oh. And blocks, plus or minus, against your opponent. All right, blocks work. Okay, you know, I mean, so offensive rebounds, steals, and blocks. It, it's, it's meant to show your intensity level. You know, if you ever watch somebody that is a good offensive rebounder, watch what they do on the offensive end of the glass, man. Watch how much work they put into actually getting in position to actually possibly grab a rebound, right? I, I love what, this. What are you smiling at? Because if you ever, first of all, I'm not allowed to smile during the show. Well, of course. <laughs> it feels like it feels like if, if Wolf was ever like a scientist and you were like, I have to, I have to quantify <laughs> one thing, you would be trying to quantify intensity and exactly. give it a numeric value. I just, you work so hard on the offensive glass, right, to, to get in position, and that tells me your intensity level is there. That's that's where it starts. That's where effort begins, is your intensity. Are you ready? Are you prepared to give? Are you going to do it? Show me by your effort. It, it, the intensity is there. 
feels the same way, the anticipation, I think, in working yourself into position, the effort to explode and try to strip the ball from somebody else and blocks, of course. I think your intensity level, those three things. The Phoenix Suns. Wait, the inten- before you give a number, yeah. what's what's a, like a typical, like what's a what's a bad number? Okay, okay, here's... It's bad when you hit double digits, plus or minus double digits. It's bad. It's bad if you're the negative. If you're the negative team, it's bad, plus or minus double digits. The intensity index was one of the highest numbers I've ever recorded for one team. Okay? It was plus 14 for the Denver Nuggets. Plus 14. I've never seen a plus 14. Now, based on earnings, I don't do this for every game. I don't. But when intensity is in question, when it's an issue, of course, and it has been in the DA era many, many times, it has been in question from time to time. I'll run the intensity index. I've done it hundreds of times. And for me right now, I've never seen a plus 14 for one team. And the Denver Nuggets, they were plus eight in the offensive rebound category. They were plus 10 in steals. They were plus 18, except... Yeah, blocks. Blocks saved the Suns. The Suns had five blocks, and the Nuggets <laughs> had one. So that was minus four for them. Brought it down from a plus 18 to a plus 14. I've never seen a plus 14. 12 is the highest I've seen. 10 is pretty much certain death for any team, metaphorically speaking, of course, that is in the negative. If you're negative 10, you almost always lose that game 80 to 85% of I'm going to be calculating this tonight, just so when we start the show tomorrow, I can blurt it out before you can. Yeah. The just intensity index. The intensity index, it just, again, it, it's a good measurement as to whether your team is ready to ball, ready to play. I would think, I would assume the Phoenix Suns are going to be ready to play uh, tonight. This is Chris Paul postgame. I'm running through some of this audio. Uh, he talked about the lack of ball movement on offense. And, you know, we talked and we had uh, Kevin Ray on earlier and even Kellen Olsen earlier in the show today, too. Kellen pointed out, look, they got Kevin Durant, but this is still what? This is his four. That was his 14th game with the team. So, I mean, they're still trying to figure out how to fit him in there. And, and at least in Kellen's mind, and this makes a lot of sense to me, honestly, that's where it was showing up. We got KD in here. We don't need to move the ball around a ton. We got to make sure KD gets his shots, right? Well, then all of a sudden, you're just not moving the ball and even getting shots. Here's Chris Paul. I don't know. <laughs> Seriously, I got to go back and look at it and then figure out what we need to do better. Uh, DeAndre Ayton on the Suns' offense in game one. No, didn't like it. I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Too slow. Um, it was the Suns basketball, man. Not only that, when we trying to run offense after a main basket, usually we set the tone on defense and we get out and run like how they did against us. So it was a lot of, it's going to be a completely different team the next game. Um, yeah, we're just going to sit back. Um, we're going to hold this L, but learn from it as well. And understand that this is this is playoff basketball, man. You get, you get back home, get your ass kicked in, figure it out, and then hopefully what you learn, put in the Put into the game. So he's right about that. And I, I like hearing him say that. You know, you get your butt kicked, you know, and you learn from it and you move on. Um, this is his eighth playoff series. Like the guy is a playoff vet at this point. I, I know. Um, he says the right thing, he's got to do the right thing. 
This is the thing about DeAndre Ayton that frustrates me to a point where I get upset. I, I do. <laughs> and I know there's a lot of Suns fans out there that debate this issue as well and this topic. But he says a lot of the right things. He does. He He's aware of his surrounding after the game and says a lot of the right things. He just doesn't do a lot of the right things when he's actually competing in between the lines. And this is where he's got to make that connection. He's got to make that connection that what you do is compete and what you say is not competing. It's. I know it's what is maybe the most maddening thing to Suns fans is when you watch a game like Game 1. Again, it's not just DA that is the reason they lost, but if you're trying to figure out how they're going to win in Game 2 and you're watching DA, you're like, man, he could fix 80% of his problems if he just goes harder. Effort. So on the one hand, it's like, that's maddening. But on the other hand, he can fix it tonight. This is this is not like oh he, the other guy he's defending is two feet taller than him or this. Or he he can yes, fix he it. Can. And Great we point. we have seen him bounce back in the playoffs. I mean, I'll stick with this. If he can somehow flip the switch and become the DeAndre Ayton of two years ago in the playoffs, he doesn't need to become Giannis. He just needs to become the DeAndre Ayton of two years ago in the playoffs. No, by the way, they won't have to deal with Giannis. I still think the Suns are going to win the title, but he's he's got to do it because it's very clear in this series. They won't get by with DeAndre Ayton just kind of floating. Not not in this series. Denver seems to have it out for the Suns, probably because of what happened two years ago. Jokic seemed extremely motivated. Jamal Murray seemed extremely motivated. I'm interested to see if Denver can keep that up for an entire series or if that was a one-game thing. There are elements of what Denver did in that, that first game. Like I don't expect Aaron Gordon to be hitting every shot he takes, and he was for a while. But... You know, it's now on the Suns, much like it was in the first series. They're the ones that are going to have to fix things here. They're going to be in a real tough spot. Yeah, and you know what's amazing about what you just said is the teammates of DeAndre know it better than anyone else. They know what he's capable of doing, and they know they have to depend on him to actually do it. Let's see if it happens in Game 2. Uh, Devin Booker, real quick on if the problems from Game 1 are fixable. Yeah, I always believe in us. You know, we've been a good team all year, you know, digesting the game, seeing what went on, and, you know, learning from it and, and making those corrections. But, you know, we know they're going to come with the next game, too, so just be prepared for them to, you know, come out and play like they did tonight. We all took Devin and Devin, or Kevin or Devin today. And I'm assuming we all did that for some variation of the, this is a very pivotal game for the Suns, and he's going to respond. Not that he had a bad game, but everybody who looks at this series says, okay, it's, yeah, it's DA against Jokic. Okay, well, it's Devin Booker against Jamal Murray. Well, Jamal Murray went off in the first game, so can Devin Booker slow him down defensively? Can Devin Booker, if Jamal Murray puts up 34, can Book just put up 44? He tends to respond in a big way in a situation like this. I agree with you, and I think the Phoenix Suns go out and play with intensity tonight, and they win the game. What do you, intensity index prediction. Plus seven? Um, I'm going to say plus eight. Okay. Well, all right. All right. That's it for us. Thanks to Aaron Maloney, Jesse Morrison behind the glass. For Wolf, I'm Luke. We got Burns and Gambo next right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.